Welcome to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? With your host, Louisa Barton. I want to be a famous rider. Presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Truth is, I help horses with people problems. Now here's the Brit with the bit, Louisa Barton! Yeah, baby! (laughs) Welcome to the Horse Talk Show, presented this hour by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton, your host in the horse capital of the world. With two of my favorite chaps, I've got John Holling and Rick Wallace here. All right. And, uh, thrilled to have John. two top eventers, our live stream host. Here we are. On EQTV this weekend. Great job. Thank you. Lovely to have you both with us. Thank you. And they'll be chatting with us a little bit later on the very inaugural evening of the John and Rick show. Whoa, right. the John and Rick show. There were show. some um, rocks and scissors and whatever else it is. That rock, you, scissors, and yes. dynamite or something. Yes. Right. No <laughs> dynamite. There's no dynamite. Rock, paper, I could have sworn there was dynamite. That's how you almost <laughs> won. I know, right? <laughs> I Listen, I wanted uh, Wallace and Holling or Holling and Wallace, but anyway. <laughs> That's like Gromit and Wallace, so I think we can go with the John and Rick. Uh, I like it. It's perfect. Anyway, they'll be on later. We'll recap the uh, Jockey Club. We'll share a few minutes of a in- wonderful interview. I uh, got a chance to get with Arden as she came out. I love Arden. I know, on her thoroughbred. I had a little inside knowledge on her, thanks to you. Yeah, she was braiding all night. I know. Brilliant. I loved it. It was great. But it was a resounding success. Sort of like John. Success. Yes. He's waited all night. No. Yeah. <laughs> it was an incredible weekend, despite the ghastly weather. Yeah, it was, was a still little better bit than ghastly. most places in the world right now. It I was, chattered. It was, yeah, a, a bit great. A little bit wet, but beautiful footing for the horses because of it. It was great for the horses, horrible for people that had to sit there and be still. True, but since the horses are underneath, they're the priority. They're the I priority. got sick. Yes. But my horse is happy. That's yeah. right. That's I'm sorry you're sick. Are you sick now? A little bit. Oh. Just slightly contagious. You'll be fine. <laughs> Do we have a screen? <laughs> Apparently we need to get one. <laughs> Starting off with a bit of news from around the world, uh, in the horse world, of course. The lifetime ban for one of the most famous equestrians in the world became official Tuesday after a U.S. sports board found he was sexually inappropriate with at least one child years ago. George Morris, a former Olympian, who is now 81 and lives in Florida, trained some elite riders for years at a farm in Hunterdon County. The U.S. Center for Safe Sport, an independent organization that investigates abuse allegations against Olympic athletes and coaches, announced he was being banned from the sport back in August. Uh, Since then, of course, it's been uh, uh, going back and forth and it's been followed by the horse world intensely on social media. Uh, for sure, and uh, they say no matter how big a figure is in the sport or how old the allegations are, nobody is above accountability. So that is the final outcome. I'm, yeah, I'm not to interrupt you, but I always, at this point, am flabbergasted at that. So I have to say, I think we're all flabbergasted. I think the intent was right where we're going with safe sport. I just think the the, the delivery was not. Yes, I would agree there. As a mother of a daughter, or even in this world, a, a son, I guess, uh, I have to say, I think if somebody does something that they add a line in that respect, then they should have the full 
letter of the law thrown at them, but I also think we're in America and I am a firm believer in I want some proof. Right, so perhaps another show. Yes, another whole show, I would say. Or two. Or two. Or six. <laughs> yes, perhaps. <laughs> a group of horse racing organizations has announced a formation of a coalition to promote enhanced safety protections to work together and develop new reforms in a sport that is currently uh, very upset. Horse racing uh, and equine deaths have been uh, a big subject uh, in a wonderful sport that we love. Uh, I've been behind the scenes, of course, a lot uh, in that sport and have seen an absolutely wonderful side of it. So I'm thrilled that the New York Racing Association, the Stronic Group, the Breeders' Cup Limited, Delmar and Keenan Racetracks combined are over 85% of major racing in the US have all come together to adopt the best practices and set stricter guidelines uh, for allowable medications, whip use, and encourage much greater transparency in the sport uh, to everybody involved. So I'm hoping to see uh, great improvements there and hopefully a lot more understanding, especially for the general public, about the horses that we dearly love and certainly rely upon for everything in our lives. Um, California Chrome, sadly, is going to Japan. Oh. I nearly cried. When's that happening? Right away. He was purchased wow. um, subject to all the Japanese government's quarantine and exportation requirements. TaylorMade Stallions actually announced that today. So um, California Chrome will be having some babies in Japan. Um, the upside of that is another part of the world uh, gets that benefit. But sadly, uh, we'll be very sad to see him go. Two-time horse of the year in 2014 and 16. And the richest Kentucky Derby winner uh, in history ever. And I personally met him. I kissed him in the stall. Then my daughter went in and he bit her. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reportable offense. <laughs> yeah. Probably needs to be a safe sport. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might. <laughs> uh, congratulations to a wonderful chap, uh, Mark Cassie, who uh, we call Ocala's Mark Cassie, uh, because he has actually been in Ocala for 53 years. His Got father. to meet him. You did. It was awesome. I know. He won two legs of the Triple Crown, unfortunately not three, and two legs, unfortunately not with the same horse. But next year, Mark, next year. Uh, we love him dearly. He's one of the best horsemen I've ever met in, in my entire life. His father actually um, was a big part of starting Ocala Breeder Sales here in Ocala. And um, he was invested actually there for over 30 years. And uh, Mark is an incredible trainer, uh, a wonderful, wonderful guy. And he won the Turf Award. Lucinda Green. Look at that. She loved him. Uh, who's, uh, what's not to love? I mean, they just hit it off. I loved her. That was awesome. And my mom idolized Who gets her. to see that? <laughs> Not many people. I know. Can you believe it? No. Lucinda Green, Clayton well, Fredericks, and Mark Cassie. Especially you. Oh, I know, but I'm a nobody. But no, you're not nobody. <laughs> that Clayton there, look at him. I know, it's fantastic. Uh, he really, really, uh, certainly uh, deserves that. The Turf Publicists of America announced uh, that he wins the 2019 Big Sport of Turfdom Award, recognizing a person or group who enhanced the coverage of thoroughbred racing through cooperation with media and racing publicists. And that will be given to Mark Cassie. And I have to say, I have been able to walk in his barn and kiss his horses 
whenever I wanted to, and that's certainly cooperating with the media. <laughs> yeah, he's interesting, to t and he's interesting to talk to. He's had a lot of experience um, comparing dirt tracks to synthetic tracks, and I think we can learn a lot from Mark in the future, and I think the racing industry should listen to him a little bit. He knows what he's talking about. He knows a lot. He's absolutely a brilliant guy, and you know, he took Teppin to Ascot, and she was the first North American horse to win the Queen Anne at Ascot. That's amazing. I know, he's brilliant. He really is. And uh, actually, my mum has a horse in training with him right now. And, and she's a turf horse. And my mum said, Ascot, here we come. And I huh. said, Mum, the only thing I want is to go with you. <laughs> Take me along, Mum. <laughs> Just let me tag along so I can see her win. It'd be awesome. But he is, uh, he's, uh, he's the best. He really is. And uh, so grateful to have him. Uh, in Ocala and that we can even call him Ocala's Mark Cassius. It's, it's awesome. amazing. And the fact that he got to mix and mingle I'm sorry you didn't everyone. get to meet him. I'm sorry I didn't get to meet him too, but I had to make sure I had all my health for tonight. I know, right? But it, I missed it was, out. We got to sit across, across from the mayor and from and next to Mark and Lucinda Green. And Not the mayor as in the female horse, the mayor. Mayor, I got it. Mayor. I all my R's so people don't <laughs> think Is that I'm how you say it? Mayor. Actually, no. It sounds a little southern. I can't. <laughs> Yeah, I knew we'd get you. Oh, there we go. There you go. I knew Yay. it would happen. I call him Lord Mayor, actually. And his wife, Sandra, said, I'm never calling him that. <laughs> That's him. amazing. As a, just a last little point before we close out the new segment, uh, War of Will and Sir Winston are currently right here in the horse capital having a rest because there's nowhere better in the world at this time of year, especially with the weather like it is right now, to be resting and they are and we'll hopefully see both of them race again and have wonderful future careers pretty exciting uh for mark cassie and i just hope he wins the run for the roses next year because you know i'll be there at the finish line cheering him on me and these two chaps will be back in just a few minutes and guess what we've got for you the very first john and rick show whoa there so we go thank god i won the rock paper scissors giddy up no kidding <laughs> We'll be back on the Horse Talk Show in just a few minutes. Stay with us. This show is presented by Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital, one of the top equine hospitals in the USA with services including ambulatory, surgery, sports medicine, reproduction, and with doctors on call 24 hours a day. Check them out now at petersonsmith.com. The opinions of the hosts and guests on the Horse Talk Show are not necessarily that of Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital. This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to FeedDAC.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference.
And welcome to the John and Rick show, or should we say the Rick and John no, show? No, it's definitely the John and Rick yeah. show. <laughs> here we go. Here we are. Well, here we are. We're here with Louisa Barton. Thank you so much for letting us have a talk show. I think That's it's so awesome. cool. I've wanted to have more eventing on for a long time, and I think you two chaps couldn't get much better. Well, except it maybe if Will Coleman was available. But I don't yeah. know if he is, though. We'll see, maybe somewhere. <laughs> John, take it over. What are we doing tonight? He's usually a little bit tardy, but I have heard that he's in the house. So. Well, that's crossed. good. That's terrific. Shows up. So what are we going to do tonight? What, what's our show going to be about? Um, so we have interviews with uh, an interview Arden. with Arden, yes. right, from winning the two-star? Three-star. Three-star. Three Sorry, she beat me, so I should yes. be Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right. And then we've got Will in as well, and we're going to discuss Will's great weekend on, um, I guess, actually had two great horses in the uh, competition at Jockey right, Club. Right. And then after that, we'll get Will's thoughts on the 15 Did we Did we say which Will we had? Uh, it'd be Will Coleman, of course. Well, the only The Will. only, the Will Coleman. But yes. you know, we want to make uh, sure. Like I said, we'll discuss the 15 penalty rule and um, some changes that are going on with that. Um, which we'll, is very controversial, and we're, we're hoping we can tame that down a little bit, right? There's yeah. a lot of controversial in the horse world. Right? Well, they just had a big meeting about it at the FEI in Moscow this last weekend and came to some conclusions on it. So hopefully that will simmer things down a little bit, make it a little bit more clear. And then, like all joking aside, we're really fortunate to have Will Coleman here because um, he's obviously been affected by it more than a lot of people this year, and I think he'll have some great insight for us on sort of what his thoughts are on that rule going forward. Absolutely. So I want to tell you just for a minute, before I, we take back off to the uh, to the beautiful Ocala Jockey Club with a little update on that, uh, these guys know what they're talking about. Um, John's actually been uh, riding since he was a toddler, and uh, he uh, he rode his pony all over town, uh, and his mum ponied him around on a lunch line. Uh, he started riding more seriously and showing, and he was pretty good. Uh, and uh, of course, now he's a lot better than pretty good. Uh, and, you are. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wanted his life to evolve around horses and um, thought he might try a little blacksmithing. Uh, and then uh, actually with uh, opportunity as a working student with Peter Gray, um, blossomed, found an amazing wife who uh, would put up with him and help him live his dream. And um, now has a, a fabulous son who I met this weekend, enjoyed playing around uh, with some video games with my son, which was very cool and has come up through the ranks in eventing and been incredibly successful and uh, has learned from some of the best uh, to be one of the best, in my opinion. I've been very lucky. You have indeed been... Uh, been moderately persistent. He's really, good, he's really good at tacking on the shoe. <laughs> I actually put a shoe on today. See? So there you go. You could be a handy guy. I am a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. I wouldn't say that. All right, I'm a jack-of-all-trades, and I'm okay at a few. <laughs> and Rick... Been riding since 1972, so nope. he must have been one. Gosh, you, you, yeah, that's right. <laughs> one and a half. <laughs> and here's the bit that got me. He actually did barrels? Barrels and poles. Yeah. I did barrel racing. Well, did you put it in your bio? No. Okay, then. Because <laughs> neither one of you gave me one. Yeah. I had to make it <laughs> Back in my four acres. Sorry. <laughs> I was really good. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I was a national champion. I won the 4-H County Fair. There you go. All right. Well, it's always <laughs> about rocks. 
We you know what? Barrel a barrel racing competition. Oh, let's do that. Absolutely. We can yeah, use the Mustangs. Up. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We can Please. do that. Elisa, can we use your Mustangs and we'll do some barrel racing? We should do barrel racing. That'd we should end. get barrel racers to come out and jump your horses and you. <laughs> That's a great idea. That's how <laughs> Will will do it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> what about that for a plan, Clayton, for the next Color Jockey Lab? Ooh, good All job. Right. We have some swapping to do. All I right. think that's brilliant. I couldn't believe it, though, because I thought, well, yeah, dressage, hunter, jumpers, eventing. Barrel racing. Barrel I racing. was so surprised. It's Nebraska. What else are you going to do? He won. The Buckskin National Barrel Racing title on his mare at 15. Correct. <laughs> and then the following year, the second year, too. Yes, that's so right. That's Red How many people did you have to compete against? Redman's Princess. There's 260 in that. All right. That's pretty good. And, and then he's got a ton of other, like, amazing, like, um, uh, accomplishments and long-listed for the 1991 Pan Am team and the 1992 Olympics. Correct. And his daughter... Uh, Elisa, of course, is a top event driver, uh, uh, rider, and an alternate for the 2016 Rio Olympics. It runs in the family. Uh, and Team Wallace is currently. She did here. a little bit better than I did. So. <laughs> Long, short, you yeah, know. whatever. <laughs> Yin Yang. A amazing family, anyway. Well, so, thank um, you. So I've got two of the best of the best to host this show. So I'm pretty, uh, pretty happy about that. But uh, let's recap. The uh, international 3D event this week. Oh, let's do. All Amazing. Right. How do we want to start? Let's start with me. Okay. We do that. Let's start with you. It's, it's John and Rick. So, <laughs> okay. We'll Rick, no, we'll let Rick go first. Go, it's fine. Okay. He so, have something for I that. want to say this. I got to spend a week with Lucinda Green was amazing. She came in to do the commentary and the cross country walk for the four star long. And the things that I learned, it was the first time I did live commentary for the, the whole stint of um, the competition, but I got to see 171 horses go. And next to me was Lucinda Green, and I had Karen O'Connor for a little bit. But Lucinda Green, giving her input for each ride that was going was like having a clinic for 171 horses, and it was absolutely amazing. So the competition, from my point of view, was amazing. It was on television, and I didn't get to go off and see my friends go or um, Briggs or my daughter go, but I got to see them on TV. So what was happening behind the barns with you? What was happening for the competition? Um, I think, generally speaking, the competition ran really well. There was a lot of feedback from the riders heading into cross-country day. They were concerned about a couple of the fences, particularly in the four-star. Um, and I have to say, once it actually started on Saturday, I think everybody was thrilled with how great it ran. You know, you always question as a competitor, are the lines right, are the distances right? And there was a lot of feedback, and it was actually a little bit controversial on Friday. Um, and there was a bit of tension between the riders and the officials. Um, but I spoke with the riders Saturday afternoon when the dust had, dust had settled. And everybody was thrilled with what a great job Clayton did. Um, you know, I even had one of the riders come up to me and say, you know, we were wrong. It actually was perfect. It was set great, and the distances were great. The questions were, were good. Um, so that's always nice to hear. You know, you want the team to work together. You don't want the riders to have so much power that they're pushing fences to get changed and moved. That shouldn't be. And you also want the officials to be listening to the riders when they right, should. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to the riders riding the fences. And... There was some really great riding. Yeah, I, I did hear about that. I came in a little bit late to the riders' meeting when that was happening. But uh, John's point, it did ride. I think all the all the levels rode really well, and the the footing was pretty dang good. Um, what we 
probably need to cap on. Do we have the results anywhere that we can pull up? Because I don't have them close by. I'm sure but I know Will well, Coleman did. Funny enough, I have the results right here. Great. Um, so I think we can go through the top three for all, all the levels real quick. Yeah, so we've got, um, we'll start with the four-star short. And it was really exciting. Actually, Marilyn Little came in. She hadn't run that horse in over a year um, with RF Scandalous and came back, and she just slammed it from beginning to end. She yeah, he had an scored like a 24. She got a 24-4 right? in the dressage. She show jumped clear, as you would expect. Um, and then, you know, the cool thing to see was she had a pretty significant lead going into cross country, and she knew how much time she had to spare, and she went right to it. She won on a 41-2. She had 16.8 time. She saved that horse as best she could for the next one but went fast enough to win, and she still won by over two points, which was pretty that's, cool. That's, that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Um, and right behind her was Jesse Phoenix on Bogue Sound, and that's an off-the-track thoroughbred. Um, actually, it. was sourced by um, my wife and Dorothy Crowell. Go I'll give team. my wife some credit. I'm not sure Go the order team. of that. Sorry, Dorothy. Um, but Jen's in the room, so she found it. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, you know, I have to say, when I first saw that horse, I'm not going to lie, I wasn't super impressed with it. I thought it was average. But you put it under a great rider, and it's turned into be a great horse. So awesome thoroughbred there. Um, and then Leslie Law on the great Voltaire de Trey. He's really turned that into a great horse. He ended up finishing in third. Um, and just what an incredibly consistent horse that is. That is great. So probably what we can do is, in a minute, come back to the rest of the results. And yes, and bring Will back in. And bring, for exactly, the the and then we can go to a... Because I hear Olympic rider Will Coleman might right. be in the house. Well, I think, I think you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to our first break. Let's go to our first break. What do you think? I think it's a good time to have a break. Let's All do right. it. We'll be back in just We'll be back. Stay with us. This show is presented by Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital, one of the top equine hospitals in the USA with services including ambulatory, surgery, sports medicine, reproduction, and with doctors on call 24 hours a day. Check them out now at petersonsmith.com. The opinions of the hosts and guests on the Horse Talk Show are not necessarily that of Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital. This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family-owned since 1934, manufacturing fixed-formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. This show is brought to you in part by New Millennium Realty. Owner and broker Brian Cox loves this community and wants to help you find your place in the horse capital of the world. Like them on Facebook or find them at allfarmsmatter.com. New Millennium Realty, the future of real estate. Our Facebook broadcast sponsor is Larson Farms. The Larson Farms mission is simple, to be the leader in quality and value. Richard, owner of Larson Farms, is committed to a positive attitude, integrity, dedication, quality, and teamwork. Larson Farms is committed to being your supplier of Idaho's finest alfalfa, a complete line of mixed and grass hay. Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa. This show is sponsored in part by All In Removal. Like jockey and horse, shavings delivery and manure removal go together naturally and are the green natural solution too. All In Removal offers a great way to save you money combining the two services of quality pine shavings delivery and manure container rental and removal. 
Great service, great quality, and the green choice too. Like All In Removal on Facebook now, or go to allinremoval.com for more information. To the host talk show presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital this hour. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton, and I'm not the host of this show. Oh, <laughs> but you are the host, and some you're some host. Thank goodness you're here. Yes, it might yeah. be the Will Show. Who knows? I know, um, right? He's, he's here. <laughs> Definitely not the Will Yay Show. For Will. I got the John and Rick Show here. Um, we're talking about inventing. We're recapping. The Jockey Club, and now we have uh, Olympian Will Coleman in the house with us. So um, I'm going to let these chaps take over with what they know best. All right. Well, Will, thanks for joining us. Sure. Happy Very to be much. here. Appreciate you being here. Um, we want to discuss a couple things with you today, but first, um, you had a great weekend. Yeah, right. You were awesome at the Jockey Club on uh, two horses, the first of which I just discovered his name is actually not gin and tonic. 
It's a chin tonic. tonic. So you just, how did you just discover that? You I, can't read? I don't read good. And <laughs> you don't read well. <laughs> no, I don't read good. Um, and all weekend long, I heard gin tonic. And I was like, oh, I love gin tonic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fabulous horse. That's amazing. Um, so why don't you just tell us a little bit about the weekend, how it went, and you know, if you have some background on the horse and how you got him as well. That'd be sure. Great. Um, I mean, the weekend went good. Anytime you win, it's a good weekend. Right? <laughs> um, Riveting stuff, buddy. It, 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 went, it, went, it went very well. Uh, he's, a, he's a lovely young horse. Um, he was uh, bought as a two-year-old um, stallion, actually. And uh, he's owned by Hyperion Stud, wow. who, which is owned by um, a lady from Charlottesville named Vicki Casterkin, who I've known for a very long time. She's been a huge supporter of mine, but she's also been a very successful breeder. She just had um, a stallion approved um, at the Holstein River Band, the you know, kind of elite stallion approvals. Um, so that's a very rare thing for any breeder, but for an American breeder, it's particularly rare. Um, she's been a um, owner of a, a horse that's competed in pure show jumping at both the Olympics and World Equestrian Games. So she has been um, a remarkably successful owner um, and is uh, now becoming a remarkably successful breeder. And she's been a great supporter of mine. Um, Chin Tonic is a horse that um, we kind of, she showed me a video of as a two-year-old and said, what do you think? And I said, uh, I think we should get it. <laughs> I was in the warm-up when you were getting ready. And I actually texted one of my friends who was in the clubhouse, and I said, well, Will just won the competition. And that was in before the dressage on that horse. Um, it is a disgustingly good mover. So I didn't get to watch a gallop around the cross country. What's the gallop like on one like that? Because that would be the only question I would have when I see sure. a horse that moves that well, as I always wonder, you want to ride it? do they have the <laughs> had a good line gallop. to go get it? So is he, you think he's a top horse? I do. That's I awesome. do. Um, I think with any horse like that, um, that's kind of blessed with just remarkable natural gifts, particularly in the dressage. For them to transition to being an upper level event horse, you just have to be very patient. And um, you know, the gallop is not what they were necessarily bred for, but the horse's pedigree does have a lot of blood coming through it, even though it might not have a lot of double X's in the pedigree. There's, um, there's a tremendous amount of modernity in his breeding. Right. And, um, so, um, just like if you had a horse that was really good at galloping and you wanted to make it a better dressage horse, you would commit a lot of time to teaching it to move well. Um, this horse is blessed with a lot of natural gifts in the dressage, but we've committed a lot of time to making him as good a cross-country horse as we can. So, um, a lot of his schooling early on has been geared towards teaching him to be very efficient cross-country. Um, he's an extremely easy horse to ride cross-country. He doesn't take a lot of pulling or wrestling. He goes in a very good balance. Um, we tried to really preserve that as we brought him along. And then with his gallop, he's he's a blood horse in his mind, which I think is probably, you have to start there, right? If right. you're kicking one, right, all, all along, the whole way, I think you're going to have trouble, right? But he wants to go. So it was just about teaching him to go in the right way. And he's how old? He's seven, seven. this year, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was amazing to watch. He did a great job. He, he did it very well, and he's very, you know, he was very prepared to go. Um, we... Uh, He's done a couple intermediates, so um, it, in a way it felt like a little bit of a step down. But the idea was to bring him here to the Jockey Club where um, the one-star course is a little longer. You get some real terrain. Um, I think it's a pretty gallopy track. And just let him go and canter for eight-plus minutes sure. and um, you know, make that a comfortable, happy experience. And I think 
by and large, um, it was for him, and he, he did it quite easily. So It's exciting. So he was good on course. He was great. No yeah. flags? No flags. All right. <laughs> uh, no oh, flags. Man. I don't even think I got close to one this time. Right. So it was a little, a little easier at, uh, at the two-star level. But um, no, he was, he, was, he was excellent. No he, flags. He jumped well Sunday. So. Yeah, it's very exciting. It's a cool horse. Congratu yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. That's for sure. Yeah, we're there was a second one. Yeah, and so your other one, Steam Engines, that's a Team Rebecca horse. It is, and he, unfortunately, he kind of had, uh, fell apart from a bit on Sundays. He had an uncharacteristic four rails. He kind of crashed through a line. Um, I don't know really why. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, he kind of it took was, the trouble with you a little bit further. Than yeah, I, he kind of, he had um, that outside line near yeah. the uh, trade fair. He just... Um, it was happening know. to a lot of horses. I, I think they were coming happened. up that wood, the, the vertical to the in and out. Yeah. Is that was it? It could have been. I don't know really what... I honestly have no explanation for it. Yeah. He's never really had more than the odd rail here and there, and he just... It all, been, all, all day long, really that line was <laughs> a lot of people. That was, yeah, bogey. was I, uh, bogey line. After I jumped the line, or try, I don't even know how I could say I jumped it, but um, <laughs> when, I, when I came back around and I was galloping up to the triple bar, I kind of glanced over and I didn't see a single rail in any other <laughs> yeah, so I was like, jeez. That was horrendous. Through the flags, though. It was through the flags and... Uh, <laughs> through the fence. And through the fence, it yeah. Um, All right, next poor, time. Poor bugger. I, I think I. I um, if you want, I've got a YouTube. He's going to need. Get the video he, and you can he might need a little therapy session um, <laughs> after that one. But he uh, he's a lovely little horse too, and it was a shame because he was poised for a good result. But that's eventing, you that's know. That's Kind of uh, when one humble one. Right. right? Yeah. Absolutely. It's yeah. a humbling sport for sure. It is. It is. Um, so do we have time to get into the flags now? Yes, I think it would be good to um, to actually mention it. We actually have that that you, you sent to me, the, the flags. Yeah, so Look this, at that, was, man. this was just approved by the FEI this past weekend at their meeting. Um, so there's been a lot of conversation over this last year, and all joking aside, poor Will has been victim of this rule twice, twice this year. But fortunately, he's a really good sport, and he just keeps real quiet about it when it happens. <laughs> um, so he didn't say much, and nobody knows that. But this is what they've put forward now. I actually just showed it to Will right before we came on air. Um, you didn't show it to me. He got to see it. Well, you're seeing it now. So <laughs> um, and so they've tried to clear, clarify a few things. I'm not sure if they have or hadn't. And I just honestly would sit here and sort of say, what are your first thoughts on it, Will? Is like, you really are the most well-known person who's been affected by this rule this year. Do you think this has cleared anything up? Do you think there still needs to be more changes? Because there won't be. But um, there is a lot of talk about how we're going to implement this going forward, and there's going to be some feedback at the Aintree meeting in January um, as to make sure that the officials understand how this rule is to be implemented. Well, I mean, um, just looking at the, the rule there, there are some really very minor changes made. Um, you could, I, I, I really don't see a huge difference in that rule um, as written there, the, the new new and improved rule from the, the original one. I think the the big thing for me is is understanding what the rule was about. Like what what was the right. spirit of the rule and what were we trying to legislate against? And um, you know when I when I go back and look at the uh, what were the driving forces behind the origination of the of the rule as uh, it was written for the start of, of twenty nineteen, it was basically meant um, to penalize horses that were trying to run out and somehow the rider managed to hold the head and neck and maybe one part of the shoulder within the flags 
um, but not really jump the jump. Um, and as the rule was written before, head, neck, and in, inside the flags, clear, right? So, but we've all seen instances where we know the horse didn't jump the fence, and yet he was not given a 20, even though all the rider did was basically forcibly hold the front end of the horse inside the jump. And I think for the people that navigate those kinds of obstacles effectively and, um, and you know, with accuracy and with precision, um, calling that a clear ride and the, the other one a clear ride, I think, um, I don't think anybody would argue against there being some form of a penalty for, for that. And that was the, the root cause of why they wrote the rule. Um, you know, we can think of, a, I think it was uh, the ride in Australia yeah, that, I, was, I don't know if it was that Stuart yeah, Tinney? That was, I don't want to use names because I'm not sure if it was them, but that was one. And, um, you know, t I think Tammy had one at, at, Tammy um, had one at, at Stable View, Stable View, which were obvious cases where, okay, right. that's something that maybe we need to figure out in the rule book how to address that and make sure that that's not awarded clear ride when it's not a really clear ride. The horse really didn't jump the fence. But in my opinion, the rule then became uh, a little bit bastardized and turned into something where we were trying to penalize horses that were trying to do the right thing and riders that did largely um, you know, jump Navig the fence in question, it. navigate the question right. as presented by the course designer, and then they were penalized 15 penalties. Um, you know, when it was clear the horse was trying to jump the fence, it was clear the horse did clear the dimensions of the obstacle, and the only thing that they did was knock a flag out. Um, right. And I think penalties just seems like a lot to me. Well, absolutely. And I think the, the problem is you get people with the best of intentions in a room and they all understand what the rule is supposed to be. And then you have officials from all over the world have to read that rule and implement it. And that's what we need to make sure it gets right. So I think what, what we probably should do when we come back is point out what's different in the rule that just came from Moscow as opposed to what was already implemented. And I think we can do that really quick during break, don't you think? I think Absolutely. So. We'll see what so. Putin had to say. <laughs> Putin it up. Yep. Putin. All right. Really quick before we go to break. No. Will, can you say something for me? Yes. Can you say, this is Olympic medalist Will Coleman and you're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Well, I can't, I can't really say that because I haven't won an Olympian. I'm an Olympian. <laughs> I can't say that. This is Olympian Will Coleman. Uh, and, what was and you're listening to the Horse Talk Show. And I'm listening to the Horse Talk Show. <laughs> there you go. And the and John and Rick, Rick Show. show. And <laughs> we're listening to the John and Rick Show. Yeah. Nice. All right. I love it. We'll be back on the Horse Talk Show. Sorry, the John and Rick Show. It's all right. It's all, it's all in there. It's the same. <laughs> in just a few minutes. Stay with us. So... In the rarefied hills of north central Florida sits an equestrian paradise on 950 acres, the Ocala Jockey Club. The pastures are unprecedented. The sunsets are glorious. The Ocala Jockey Club has full training services for thoroughbreds in all stages of their careers. The training track is dragged daily and irrigated to ensure proper consistency of footing. 
The rolling hills provide natural rehabilitation for horses. Ocala has earned its regard as the horse capital of the world. Ocala has continued to get better every year, and I'm really excited with what's coming in the, the years to come for the horse sport. The Ocala Jockey Club is also home to work-class eventing. The dramatic and rigorous cross-country course was created by an acclaimed Olympic cross-country course designer. The show jumping arena sits within clear view from the Ocala Jockey Club restaurant. Welcome to the Ocala Jockey Club, the horse capital of the world. And here we are at this amazing venue that can hold its best in anywhere in the world. It's a great place to train. The ground is wonderful. The people are lovely. The weather, can't really beat that. This is fantastic. You know, this is world class. The very best went into the inaugural international CCI One Star, Two Star and CIC Three Star events hosted at the Ocala Jockey Club in 2016. It was a resounding success. The Ocala Jockey Club restaurant sits perched on one of the highest points in Marion County. With panoramic views of the farm and training track, it serves as a perfect setting for weddings, clinics, family reunions, holiday parties, as well as corporate meetings and retreats. A perfect destination for resort hospitality. The Ocala Jockey Club, set in the serene natural beauty of North Central Florida, is an international resort for the discerning horsemen. It is like no other horse facility in the world, combining the hills of Virginia, the lush turf of Kentucky, the pastoral beauty of the English countryside with the welcoming year-long climate of Florida. The Ocala Jockey Club is a horse lover's paradise. This show is presented by Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital, one of the top equine hospitals in the USA with services including ambulatory, surgery, sports medicine, reproduction, and with doctors on call 24 hours a day. Check them out now at petersonsmith.com. The opinions of the hosts and guests on the Horse Talk Show are not necessarily that of Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. Welcome back to the John and Rick show on the Horse Talk Show presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor. I'm Louisa Button. I'm not your host, but I am in the horse capital of the world with three chaps who know a lot about eventing. We've been talking about uh, flags, got Will Coleman here, and my two hosts uh, from mm. the John and Rick show. All right. Take it away, well, chaps. Well, thank you. I think, we, thanks, Will, for being here. I appreciate it, you so coming in. So does John, so does Louisa. I think you being one that has been under the light of this flag rule for two major events, I think we, we had Kentucky, and then you came to Fair Hill, and, and twice this has happened to you. And I think we were talking during the break, what is it that this rule, um, what can help this rule better be implemented? And I think that's what we need to start looking at. When we look at a word on a wall, five of us might get that word wrong or, or see it different. So this rule is being implemented. What do you think needs to be done from your exercise at Kentucky and how you went and, and tried to talk about what happened to you to 
to Fair Hill on the things that were different at each event on how they recognized you didn't get through the flag, which both they you were told you did not, correct? So you accumulated the 15 penalties, correct? I got 15 penalties at, at both of those events, yeah. Okay, unfortunately. I remember very well. <laughs> so I say, how'd that make you feel? <laughs> not good. Uh, so my point to you, or my question to you, is what would you like to see with that rule that would make it you feel it more fair? It You know, how would we have an organizer and, and the FEI implement it with tripod cameras with a consistent way of doing this rule? What, what are your input on that? Uh, that's, a, that's a loaded question, but um, I'll do my best to, to answer it. I think, um, you know, again, I think what, we, what I wanted to say in the beginning is that I don't think that the root um, kind of um, motivations behind writing this rule are bad. I think that the rule has a place in the sport. Right. Um, but the way that it's written gives a lot of leeway for, I think, for like dolphins to be caught in the net, so to speak. Right. And I think we want to make sure that what the rule is trying to do, the spirit of that rule is preserved, you know, as it's implemented within the sport. And I do think there are a couple of ways that you could better do that. One is you have to make a determination as to what the clear processes for how this rule is assessed. And in both of my instances where I was given this flag penalty, even though the rule specifies that the jump judge is supposed to have the first call, in both cases, or I know for sure at Fair Hill that the jump judges did not assess me the, the penalty. So there has to be a clear process for what triggers a review, um, and the ground jury has, I think, the, the, the right, obviously, to review anything that they see questionable. But I feel like in the interest of transparency, in the interest of making sure that things are done in a way that everybody can get on board with, there should be a clear protocol for how the rule is assessed and how it's judged. I mean, it used to be when we didn't have cameras that you did put a lot of reliance on your jump judges. They're volunteers. I understand they're not paid professionals, but they still have a place in our sport, and we need to make sure that, you know, that they're... They're there, they're viewing it as an eyewitness, and I think that they have a right to... to Make an assessment? Uh, uh, to a degree, yeah. Right. And if you have a camera to back them up, then that's where the placement of that camera um, so if has I can, to not, be not more to concrete. You, if we can walk it back, so the, what I'm hearing you say is the first part of this is how to establish when it needs to be reviewed. So you're going down, the flag gets knocked over, what is the course of action for this rule to be implemented? Do we take a blanket and no matter what happens, mm -hmm. if the flag comes down, it automatically goes to review? Exactly, because I think that's again where I think the, the transparency part of it has to be has to come you. into play. It because be if you're saying that you're not going to review it when somebody else knocks down a flag, right. but you are going to review it when so-and-so knocks down a flag, well then what are the differences between those two rides? If you are relying solely on the dumb judge, then why then are you reviewing it at all? I agree with or you. Or why, why do you have a camera there in the first place? And I understand that this can be very hard to view in real time. But if then you are going to be relying on a camera view, right, should there not be a clear um, protocol in place for how that camera is placed on the line, which it is eventually going to be, the assessment is going to be determined. And in, in both cases, I don't, there was no clear placement of the camera. No, like, I agree. I even saw that happen. If to use like a football analogy, if you're being judged as to whether or not your horse 
um, the point of his shoulder or some part of his body cross the plane of the flag, if that's going to be the determining factor in whether or not you're given a penalty, then where you place a camera has extraordinary consequences for how that's going to be viewed. That has nothing right? to do with football. But, okay, goal line, <laughs> pylon camera, right? If, pylon say, camera. If, if, if I have a pylon camera on the goal line, yes. right, and I'm trying to determine when that ball crosses right. the plane, if I move that pylon camera six inches this way, then it looks like it didn't then pass. It looks like it's going to make a lot more footballs look like they didn't pass the goal line maybe when they did. And if I vice versa move it six inches that way, it's going to make a lot more footballs look like they didn't pass the goal line when maybe they did. Right. right? The other so, thing I question, sorry, just briefly with all of this is, I know it's you, but I can't help myself. I talk a lot. <laughs> if you're going to have review, video review, then that video should be available for everybody to see after the decision is made. I think that's, I, that, should, I that should be no-brainer, no, no right? Like, why wouldn't you? I mean, it just preserves. So why is it not? Is it, it just well, hasn't been this year. It's been well, closely that's guarded. Not very what, I think the riders can request it, um, but it's very difficult to, like, unless you ask them to, like, I, I requested mine at Kentucky, um, and they gave it to me. I just think for the betterment but, of the sport as a whole, if you're going to say Will Coleman had the, the penalty, Will has a lot of fans. Right. It's going to be good for I'm the sport. Fan. Yeah, so I'm a fan. If it's going to be better for the sport, if everybody sees the video that the officials made the decision. Okay, great. So, so can I just say, after the Kentucky Derby mm -hmm. with the big deal mm -hmm. with the first ever disqualification, mm -hmm. Everybody just wanted transparency and to understand right. and to see it and to get it. And I agree with transparency, and I think what we all get carried away, not carried away with, I think what the train that gets going out of the station is exactly what you talked about. First, we got to break it down into steps. First, the review. That's the flag come down. It should be automatically reviewed, period. That's number one, right? Number two is the situations of the cameras. They have to be on tripods. They have to be in a reliable camera and they have to be in the same place every single time. Mm -hmm. That's two. Then three is the transparency of reviewing. Just release it, yeah. Release it, let everybody see it. I, I would add to that, while they're not allowing other official photographs or videos, and the reason that I got was people can go Photoshop, and I'm like, within the fast time of review. It's happened. I understand that, but now you have you do have a, a official video that's on it. Anything photoshopped outside the scope of what that looks like could be looked at. I think they should be admissible if you have other photographs or videos that could be admissible. Um, the impetus should be on getting the call right. Right. And, you and want not, to get the call right. Yeah. But I can also understand. I mean, I did not know that that someone had actually photoshopped a photo and, and, then, and then used that to get out of the penalty. Sport, but right? I, uh, I'm not technically savvy to even consider that. I'm but, not sure it was a rider because uh, they're not super smart, but I think one of their supporters, right. one of their supporters did it, and perhaps the rider didn't even know. Sure. But how and maybe it take them to do that? Oh, well, who knows? But okay. I think the, the placement of the camera thing is big. Yeah. And, um, and I think, again, just... Um, to me, the, the, the spirit of the rule should overweigh almost everything, right? And I think it's, it's not always easy to judge intent in these situations, but it is clear, I think, when the horse is trying to do the right thing. And if, like I said, and there's the rule clarification that they published after Kentucky seemed to me to try to steer the rule back towards the spirit of the rule in which it was written. And I don't know why 
at Fairhill Fair in particular, that clarification seemed to have been completely forgotten. Um, I brought it up in my appeal, and I was told that the rule is the rule and we are not aware of any clarification, even though it's published by the FEI and it said it must be considered when assessing a flag penalty. And I just, I don't understand that. Like if you were going by the rule book and then there's this addendum published by the FEI to the rule, why are those things again being ignored? Um, particularly related to the time frame between when I completed my round and when the assessment was made. It was four hours after I completed the cross country. I could have been gone. I could have left right. the event. Right. So do you think, because this is a show, a TV show and a talk show, so we want some controversy. Do you think it's gotten personal? For no, I, I don't think that. And I would never, uh, I would never say that. But, well, I, but, I, but I, I do think that it's an example of where a bad process can lead people down that line of thinking. And I'm not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form. But it's clear that the process was not automated. It's not a consistent protocol. It was, um, in, I think in both of my cases, there was not uh, a very fair process in the way the flag penalty was assessed. And, and I would just like for that to be standardized so that I, agree I think that's the only way to be fair to the riders. It's a very expensive penalty. In both of my cases, at Kentucky, that cost us $30,000 in prize money to me and my owners. Right. right. That was a fifth place finish on your dressage score. I don't know how many FEI points you get for that. But it changes the, the course, changes the course of your whole right. career in a way. Right. And then at Fairhill, it was the same thing. It was another finish on your dressage score, top three finish, if if not better. Right. Right. That's that's significant prize money with even the possibility of winning a flight to Europe. So that's worth however much that's worth. That's and that's yeah. that's that's a big swing <laughs> on your year. Swing. And yeah. and and we're professionals. This is a very professional sport now. Right, that prize money matters to your owners. It matters to what you're able to do with your horses, and to not, when you're assessing a penalty like that, to not do it in a way that's consistent. completely consistent, level playing field, standardized around the world in a sport that's now very global. I think that's just lazy on the part of the, of the FEI and the officials who are adjudicating it to not take those take those measures to make sure it's done like that. And, and to, to that point, yes, I, we we're going to go break, to a break. But stay, but because if Will can stay. If he, we'd love for him, for him love to stay for him because to stay. I think he's hitting on something with our officials at, at these shows. And I think, to me, as we sign off and come back, we need to talk about why we can't work closer together not be so combative in what we're doing. That's what I see. And here's so. a thought. While we're on our break, if you can go and check our watch parties, and and Facebook Live, Do if you're questions. on it, and you want to put some comments on there, um, questions. We're, yeah, questions, comments, uh, anything you'd like to ask these chaps uh, about the flag rule. And we're also going to let Chaplain Bob Miller in downstairs because he's going to talk about the census. 2020 that I'm the farm chair for because I have other things to do yeah he's gonna pray for us too I know we should we need it All we'll right. be back especially John <laughs> <laughs> on the John and Rick show with Will Coleman our special guest Olympian in the studio but I'm going to get him to say um, I'm Will Coleman and you're listening to the horse talk show before the end of the day because then I can play at the beginning of your show. Olympia, sorry. I know, I like it. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay with us.
This show is sponsored in part by Equisin. When visiting the horse capital of the world, you want to stay at a hotel that reminds you of what you love about Ocala, the horses. Stay tuned to this show for announcements about the renovations to be completed fall 2019 at the Equisin by following them on Facebook and Instagram at Equisin. This show is sponsored in part by Earthsong Ranch, improving and restoring health since 1998 through the health of your horses, dogs, and cats with natural probiotic-based supplements, herbal dewormers, all-natural fly sprays, joint supplements, plus Earthsong Ranch is a great resource for health information. Find Earthsong Ranch on Facebook or at earthsongranch.com. This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family-owned since 1934, manufacturing fixed-formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. This live stream is sponsored by Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa. For the best hay all year long, get Larson Farms. From a single bale to a train load, Larson Farms has all the hay you need. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? Well, listen to this. <laughs> With your host, Louisa Barton. What does it feel like to be in love with a horse? Presented this hour by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy store. Now, here's your pretty, pretty Louisa Barton. You're fab, you're switched on, you're a bit of old right. Yes. <laughs> Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. We are actually coming back to the final segment this week of the John and Rick show. I'm uh, pretty thrilled actually to have the Minica talk all night. Uh, we've been uh, on a very uh, interesting topic of the flags and uh, I guess I have a question uh, about that from this past weekend but before we go there I'm going to get Will Coleman to do something for me. Can you do it? I'm Olympian Will Coleman and you're listening to the Horse Talk Show. One more time, but for do it from John and Rick. I'm Olympian Will <laughs> Coleman, and we're listening to the John and Rick show. Yeah. That was it. Well done. Spot on. All right. Now we've got it. <laughs> now that can air every week. That was actually really every good. Every show. Well, good. That was brilliant. He's got an ad. He's got a fabulous. <laughs> Man. John. Tell me I have to talk to Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm blushing. All right. Okay. All right. So, Louisa, you had a question for Will. Yes, the flags. Yeah. So, was there any issues this past weekend at the Jockey Club? No. 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 I don't think so. No, we all rode better. Oh, good. Yeah. Splendid. Helps. Must have been the nice <laughs> soft terrain and the cool weather. I, I think a lot of the people say stay away from them. I think it's the big difference is, honestly, the Jockey Club was up through the four-star, and um, you certainly have some of those questions there that you're going to could absolutely like the double corners, um, but you're going to have even more of them at the five-star level. Um, that's your point. We were that was at Fair Hill, and they had like four people, fifteen penalties. So. Yeah, you know what? You're right. Forget what so I said. So that was wrong. Yeah, I was wrong. I don't know what I'm talking about. Just kidding. <laughs> Go along. Clayton Go along. did a great job. Yeah. Clayton, uh, and the excellent, great. outstanding, and, and amazing riders. Another question I have is, 
The, the competition, so somebody like Arden, who is an amateur and she's young and up and coming, Arden. competes against... Arden Waston. Yes, mm -hmm. lovely. I mm -hmm. think she's just wonderful. Um, competes against Olympians and, and wins. I think that's one of the most amazing things about the sport, to see her against like the top people. And uh, to win like that, it's got to make her feel, first of all, like what an amazing accomplishment to ride against some of the best in the world. Well, that's our sport. Men and women compete on an equal basis. It. So Olympians, amateurs, juniors. I, I mean, love it. Well, and yeah. you know, the thing with Arden is you can't underestimate her. Um, I agree. She is, if nothing else, full of a lot of confidence. Mm -hmm. And she's been in the sport for a really long time. So while maybe she isn't Will Coleman, she's well achieved in her own right. And has been going at it for a long time and she's paid her dues and I was happy for her that the weekend came off for her. I think it's totally. brilliant. And, and then she has two wonderful parents that support she her. She does. And, and she goes to an Airstream behind, I mean, a cool Airstream that they're at every Plus. event and it's like very cool. Really cool. And we know, I, I, I actually want to air our interview and we're going to do that after the show and then we'll even probably air it independently over the weekend because the rest of the week because honestly, it's just so cool to hear how she teared up when she talked about her parents and how much she loved her horse and how much she loved staying up all night braiding her horse's mane. And she does it. And I just think that's so cool, you know, just to me that's just, that. I think it's just fantastic and hard work and, and seeing her against the, the best, you know. The, it's amazing. So I've got a question for John. Oh, all right. So I'll probably have the wrong answer again, but go. Well, I know there's a lot of things going into this and riders have to all get together as we're, we're doing um, and trying to ensure that we have a voice in moving forward and that we can get things done that we want done. This rule just got done in Moscow. It's not going to change anymore. Is that correct? Or no, it won't change anymore going into next year. I think if there are any changes to be made in this rule, um, it will be for 2021. But what can happen is in January, there's a meeting in England, in Aintree, and there will be a whole section of that meeting dedicated to this rule and the implementation of it and how the officials are supposed to be looking at it. And I think that's really what Will was saying is the rule's probably right, but to be fair, the rule that we had before was probably right. It's it's how the implementation and the one, two, three of how that happens, right? right? I think it's what, what do we want the rule to achieve? And, um, you know, if you're talking about penalizing knocked flags beyond the point of determining whether a horse jumped the fence or not, then you're really changing the sport entirely. And I think that's something that everybody should really have a say in because we all signed sure. up for this sport voluntarily and because we loved it. Um, and I think if you're going to make something as that's a remarkable change in the sport if that's the direction you want the rule to go. And I think there were times this year where they were trying to figure out how to adjudicate the rule. And I, and I completely empathize with the officials in trying to figure out how they were supposed to legislate this particular rule. And um, I get passionate. I'm fired up. I, uh, you know, I speak my mind. And I know that doesn't always come off maybe the way that I want, but I think um, you know, I do genuinely think we have good people in the sport on both the, obviously the rider side, but obviously on the official side as well. Um, I think there has to just be very clear consensus on what the rule, what the aim of the rule is, what it's trying to achieve, and then that the, the standard of the process by which penalties are assessed, I think should be very um, ritualized and, and, and kind of a, a strict protocol that's, that's the kept board. across the board at every event. And, and I, I do know that there's been a lot of 
rider input to the FEI through ERA, um, and that event in riders association. Yeah, the event riders association, which is a worldwide organization, and they've actually been given ten spots for riders at the meeting in England at Aintree. So what we need to make sure of in this country is that we get some North American representation at that meeting, um, which I've talked to ERA North America about, um, because I think we want to make sure everybody's represented there. Because like you said, even if they get the rule 100% right, there's going to be a controversy somewhere. There always is, right? And we want to make sure that not only did they get it right, but that we feel like we had some sort of a say in how the rule went, so we have a stake in the rule. Sure. Yeah, and, I, and to that point, the ERA of North America has been around. It used to be pro. Now it's ERA of North America. And and I think we really need, it. it is an association that we all need to join. There's a, a low membership fee that needs to come in. And I mean, we we sat there. I'm, I'm on the board of that, um, that association. And I think we always step up to the plate at these places and start talking for the rider. And I think to your point of going to England and having spots on that is very important. And I think the only way you can be unified is if you do all come together as, as riders. And going in different directions without one umbrella can be very difficult. Yes, we have the United States Eventing Association. Yes, we have the USEF. They don't, they look out for a whole contingency of things. But if we have one one place that we go that we can all put our voice into, we need to start doing that. I think. It, this is the time to do it. This is an important rule. You've already said that you've lost out on a lot of things because of this, this rule. Yeah, and, and uh, like a big part of, you know, I'm honestly, like uh, it's done and right. I, I've moved past it. And, but now um, we got to fix it going forward. But I, I think that there's still, um, yeah, I mean, you guys asked me to come on and, you know, uh, and talk about it. And, uh, and I do feel like there's, it's, it's not just the rule. It's I think we have to be very clear about how, we're going to adjudicate it and what that process is. And um, so there's a lot of work left. I think I just, it's just it's it's kind of not to interrupt you, John, no, but, but it's sure it's recognizing that that it's it's actually it's a very it's it's an amateur's game, but it's it's also a very professional game. And I think it's you know placement of camera, different things to ensure that there's the same level playing field for everybody. I think is just it's easy to do, and it actually doesn't really cost anymore. In the spirit and, of and, the rule, and it's in the spirit it. of the rule. So. I think um, I think those are simple things that we can kind of ask for that I, I don't think are um, you know above and beyond. And uh, what I was just going to briefly say is, obviously, I wear a lot of different hats, and mm -hmm. so I'm on the USEF Sport Committee, and I'm on the FEI Risk Management mm -hmm. Group, um, so I can see a little bit of all the sides of it. And I think with all of this, it's important to know that when the rules come from the FEI, they're sent to the federations all the federations in the world, mm -hmm. they get feedback on all of the rules. Mm -hmm. They get to give feedback back to the federation, to the, sorry, to the FEI. Um, and then, like I said earlier, the riders do have input mm -hmm. as well. And I think what's promising to me is that the FEI has gone through all that process and gotten all that feedback, and they still didn't get it quite right. And now they're actually saying, okay, we have this meeting in January, mm -hmm. and yeah, this is the rule, because I think one thing that's important to know with these rules is it takes a long time and a lot of effort to go through a process, whether it's the USEF or you, well, the USEF or FEI, um, takes a long time to get these rules approved mm -hmm. for a reason, so that mm -hmm. we have less mistakes, mm -hmm. less knee-jerk rules mm -hmm. come forward. Um, so they've done all of that work and tried their best to get it right, they really have. And now what I think is really promising is they're saying, okay, riders, 
we maybe don't have it perfect, so now we'd like to have you show up to this meeting. We'll bring 10 spots for you to come, and we can discuss some of this stuff. So that's... And to, to every event's credit, I mean, there have been a number of events around the world, particularly in Europe, where chefs, team coaches have stood up at rider meetings and said, guys, how are we going to... Then they've brought up the flag rule and said, and asked the ground jury, what's your, how is this how going to be approach approached this weekend? Um, I think that's and, important. And, uh, and in many cases, the, the ground juries have openly said that they want to rule in favor of, of horses and riders that are making clear efforts to jump the fence. And unless the horse is obviously outside the flags, they're not going to be looking to give 15 penalties. Um, which again, it's one thing to say that, but I think it's it, the, they really shouldn't have to say that. You know what I mean? There right. should be a clear process in place to make everybody feel like that's what is happening. Right. And, we and, be able and to I think turn to the page and say, this yeah. Is what's and I think that's that's the important thing. We, we are all in this together, and I think attacking our officials isn't the way to go. I don't think it's no. their fault or anybody's fault. I mean, I could have steered to the right a little bit more and maybe avoided the flag altogether. So it's my fault too, in in a lot of ways. But all I can say is that I think there are there's plenty of scope here for there to be improvements on all sides just in sure. the way that this thing is handled um, so that everybody can can feel a little bit more um, at ease with it or, or comfortable with it. So that's well, the fastest hour of show I know ever that was. was. One, one interesting thing regarding risk management that I don't know have really been discussed in terms of the flag rule, but if it is going to be as strictly enforced as it was at times this year, is there not a risk management consideration there in terms of people being, let's say you're steering to a open corner where the corner's like this and the open side is like that and you're so afraid of touching the you white flag that you jump yourself into trouble or you put your horse in a harder position to jump the fence clearly and maybe risk, you know, it, it's it's there's I think it's a door. huge it's, thing, it's and not, we probably it's not, need to discuss it at the bar like, after the show. <laughs> and no, no, I mean, back for a whole other show. But I mean, it's, just, right. it's just interesting. I mean, so, it, so that, does this mean our show's over? Yeah, it's the last hour But look, I tend you, to you had You're Will good. on your inaugural show, and you could ask for anything more, right? Well, it's been fun. Thanks for letting us piggyback on And the good news is they're coming back, I hope. Yeah. We'd love to come back. Well, we'll see. No, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm coming back. You're done. I'm done. <laughs> That's it. They're well, coming back. We're coming That's back. It. You'll have them back in a couple of weeks, and uh, and we'll have lots more for you, and we'll talk uh, about what's going on in the eventing world. We've got a big, uh, nice big uh, three-day event this weekend coming up at uh, Grand Oaks. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you should be there to at least see the cross-country on Sunday. I will be. I'm going out to watch it. I've got the bug back now. so. Awesome. <laughs> I'm there. We'll be back on the Horse Talk Show in just a few minutes. We are going to return with Cha Chaplain Bob Miller, right. and we are going to talk about the importance of everybody on the census for 2020 because uh, it count. matters. We all, all everybody of us count. Counts. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Uh, stay with us on the Horse Talk Show.
This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and services hassle-free and easier than ever with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. This show is sponsored in part by Ovation Helmets, the lightest and most comfortable helmets on the market today. For hot Florida summers, you can't do better than Ovation. Check them out at EnglishRidingSupply.com or get fitted for a safe, lightweight new helmet at Tack Shack of Ocala. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show presented by Palm Chevrolet. I am Louisa Barton, your host, and in the studio with me, I have special guest, Chaplain Bob Miller. Chaplain, lovely to have you with us on the show. Thank you. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the importance of the farms. Um, I was uh, actually asked to be the chair uh, for, the, for the farms for the census for 2020. And um, having to do that is a, it's a job. <laughs> um, but I'm glad to help because the census is so important. Um, the chaplain is involved uh, very much so with the farms. Tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, we're uh, a chapter of the Racetrack Chaplaincy of America, which has some, somewhere between 60 and 80 chaplains at any given time in over uh, 80 to 100 horse racing tracks, thoroughbred tracks mostly. In Marion County, we do not have a thoroughbred track so or a paramutual track. There's dozens, well, hundreds of training tracks. And so we deal with the people who work our, our ministry is called the Ocala Farm Ministry. We deal with the people who work on the farms and the owners and managers also, but we just try to uh, show the love of God to the people who have needs on the farms, uh, try to represent them in, in any way we can. It's a wonderful job to have, and they're very fortunate to have you, Chaplain. Talk a little bit about the importance of, of a census. Um, it, you know, it's, it, obviously it's, the numbers count, every single person counts and um, how we can reach out and, and get to, really, to all of the people on the farms. Well, there are, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of people working on the horse farms, and many of their children, of course, are, have been born here and are American citizens. But if we're gonna provide, be able to provide adequate social services for whoever, the, whoever has the need, and there are plenty of needs out there. We definitely need to know how many folks we have here. And uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not very political. I try to stay away from that because uh, I have enough stress <laughs> as it is without trying to defend one side or the other. But we have a lot of very, very hardworking people on the farms, people who get up at four or five in the morning to do the things that maybe most Americans won't do for any amount of money. And so we need to take care of these folks. They're hardworking, uh, they're family people, and whatever we can do to encourage them to, to support them. Again, we, our, our goal is to support them spiritually, physically, emotionally, uh, any, in any way we can. And we need to know who's out there and what they need. Absolutely. Um ensuring all Marion County residents accounted during the 2020 census actually impacts the amount of federal funding our county receives for the next 10 years. So that's really significant. In the 2010 census, 
we were actually above the national average um, for you know the number that actually were counted but over 20 percent of residents in marion county did not participate so 20 percent is a is a big number um, apparently we, we still did very well um, but 20 percent we would still like to be you know less we would like sure. to have the majority um, be counted and, and the the financial importance of it um, of that federal funding for everybody is it really counts and um, in the next few months we're going to be reaching out especially uh, to Chaplain Bob and to a lot of other organizations within the farms here uh, in Marion County because we are a, a major horse central horse capital of the world officially um, we we have so many farms that that could be very significant in the numbers if the people that work on the farms are not counted. Absolutely. I have been over the last few years, I have set foot on over 900 farms and they come and go, but there's, and that's mostly thoroughbreds. So there must, there may be uh, 1, 1,000, 1,100, 1,200 farms out there. And it's a lot of people that need to be included in this census. Absolutely, and that and the, the key for us is to is to get the word spread. So of course, this is to help spread that that word out there to all of our horse farm owners and uh, all breeds, all disciplines. Everybody we want to count everybody, and of course, we're going to ask Chaplain Bob, especially through the thoroughbreds uh, and through the Ocala Farm Ministry, to to assist us with that um, because we we need a lot of help. Um, there is uh, an announcement that there will no longer be a question of citizenship on the census. Um, which was announced recently, and that hopefully will encourage even more people um, to be counted because we want those numbers to be as close to accurate as possible so that we can take care of everybody. Well, let me ask you a question. Do, is this a door-to-door -door endeavor, or can we have a central place where they can come and register, like the Ocala Farm Ministry Community Center? Yes. Uh, my understanding is that they will be able to register in a number of different ways and I know that there's going to be a big drive on social media that all the social media outlets are going to be including my own will be pushing for that and will be giving people places that they can go that they feel comfortable going and certainly the Ocala Farm Ministry would be in a perfect stop for for that to happen and another place that they could feel very safe and comfortable to come in and and be counted but I think that the importance of it is you know without those numbers for example somebody said this year if a two-year-old isn't counted that two-year-old will be 12 so that's 10 years so even if your 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 child is two and you feel like well that's not you know going to be affected the school system or anything in 10 years it certainly will so to just impress upon people that every single person even really young right. matters right. and needs to be counted so that we can get you know, as much of that federal funding that we need to provide everything that we need to provide for everybody. So I think that it's, um, you know, our surging growth here and our increased diversity, which is enormous now, uh, it, I think is really makes it even more important, you know, because we are growing so fast. Uh, it's become, uh, for example, I was at the Breeders' Cup um, two weeks ago, and every year that I've gone to the Breeders' Cup or the Derby and people say, you know, where do you live? And I say, okay, well, she say, where are you from? And right. I say, Ocala, <laughs> like I have the real accent. But, um, but you know, when I say, when I used to say Ocala, quite a lot of people go, where? <laughs> now, this last time, everybody that I answered that question said to me, 
oh, that's where everyone wants to live. Now, is that a change? I mean, so we are going, obviously going to see, especially with World Equestrian Centre coming even more of a, right. you know, in a pull um, for people to, to be here. And, you know, we're looking out for, for everything. We're looking for smart growth and roads to be in the right places and widening of existing roads rather than adding roads and all those things that we're working on. And we're working on immigration and, and, and improving that and other options with, with our Congressman Ted Yoho. Um, uh, there's a lot going on, I think, in the way of improvement. But one of the things that we've talked about before is fear of authority, which a census tends to maybe give right. that impression to someone who might be afraid of authority. What can we say to encourage them that, you know, this is not about immigration. This is about we want to count you so that you can get what you need in the next 10 years. Well, we actually have a lot of, for instance, soccer is going on right now. We have 140 children in soccer uh, three nights a week, or three, three, two nights a week in one day. And their parents come and the taco ladies come and we have a, a place where, where hundreds of people are there three times a week. And so we can get a lot of that information out. And then word of mouth, of course, counts a lot in that community. And there's a number of the, the, the uh, kids and their moms who, have, who use the social media and can get the word out. So having a central place where they can get the initial information and then disseminate it into their neighborhoods is very important. And this is a, just an aside, but this morning I got the pet, Kofifi. <gasps> I love Kofifi. She's at McCathen Brothers Training yeah, Center yeah. where she started her training. What yes. an amazing Breeders' Cup winning, one of Brad Cox's uh, uh, horses out of his barn that's had an amazing career. Oh my gosh, I'm going to see her. Well, I got to tomorrow. lay my hands on a $10 million horse. Only in Ocala, I guess. Only in Ocala. Huh? Well, you know what's <laughs> interesting? War of Will. And Sir Winston are both right here also, resting at, um, we're, we're, yes, at the Cassie We're farm. the center of the universe here. We are the center of the universe. Not just the horse universe, the whole universe. You're right. <laughs> Chaplain Bob, for all you do, thank you. Uh, and just to uh, reiterate again uh, to every single person, um, we need you. We need everybody on every farm, every worker, uh, every, every single person uh, to be counted this time because we want, uh, first of all, you to know every single one of you matters to us and we want to be able to provide everything that you need and the federal funds uh, for all of that. So if you can be counted, then we can do that. So that's our hope. That's our outreach. Uh, Chaplain Bob's going to be helping us and we'll be able to uh, utilize the Ocala Farm Ministry uh, to help spread that word. Hopefully uh, bilingually we'll be able to uh, get that out to everybody and make sure that every single person uh, gets counted because for the next 10 years that matters. And um, we really appreciate you, Chaplain Bob. God bless you, everything that you Thank do. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to have Jessica Lynn on the phone from Earthsong Ranch and we're going to be talking about winter herbs for horses. We'll be back in just a few minutes on the Horse Talk Show this hour presented by Palm Chevrolet. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and services hassle-free and easier than ever with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second to none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. 
This show is brought to you in part by Tax Shack of Ocala, the horse lover's candy store proudly offering customer halters, race tack, whips, blinkers, belts, dog collars, and more. Tax Shack of Ocala, one-stop shopping for all your horse needs. This show is sponsored in part by Earthsong Ranch, improving and restoring health since 1998 for the health of your horses, dogs, and cats with natural probiotic-based supplements, herbal dewormers, all-natural fly sprays, joint supplements, plus Earthsong Ranch is a great resource for health information. Find Earthsong Ranch on Facebook or at earthsongranch.com. This show is sponsored in part by Hilton Garden Inn, Downtown Louisville, only five miles from Churchill Downs, enjoy the two most exciting minutes in sports, plus a hearty breakfast and a mimosa, and let Hilton Garden Inn do the rest. Book for Derby 2020 now! This show is sponsored in part by 1K Helmets, certified to ASTM standards, where the perfect synergy of advanced technology meets aesthetically pleasing design wrapped in a package that traditionalists appreciate. Check them out at 1khelmets.com and like them on Facebook. 1K Helmets, where style meets safety. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show presented this hour by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm missing the chaps in the studio here. Uh, just me and uh, Jessica Lynn joining me by phone from Earth Song Ranch in California. And uh, welcome back to the show, Jessica. It's lovely to have you with us. Thank you. We're going to talk a little holistic horse uh, se special segment that we do every two weeks. And we're going to talk about winter herbs for horses. And uh, on some of my research, I found quite interesting um, paying attention to the fact that senior horses are usually the ones most adversely affected by colder weather, along with much younger horses who've not yet gone through their first winter. Um, both have a harder time regulating their body heat. Seniors, obviously, because of their age and health-related issues. And youngsters, because they haven't yet learned how to regulate their bodies. For these horses, it is particularly important to put some diet changes into place, including incorporating some nice warming herbs, as we say in England. Jessica, <laughs> tell us about some herbs for horses. Well, some of the ones that will help to warm them. In fact, tonight, I have snow on either side of me. We were 81 degrees yesterday. We're 38 right now. What? But anyway, so my guys get double hay at night when it gets this cold. But they also get some peppermint leaf. They get a little bit of ginger root. They get some cinnamon. And then there's some other things in there like uh, for anti-inflammatory, meadowsweet, yarrow, um, those kind of things. Mm. So they get a handful each in their buckets for the night. Now tell us about the winter stable blend. Um, that's the blend that I make for everybody. In fact, I've sold two huge batches already due to all the, you know, early snow up in Wisconsin and Minnesota. But um, it has all of those herbs, plus it has roses in it, and um, I'm trying to think what else is in there. But what it does is they were combined years ago to support, you know, younger horses, older horses, or just 
horses in general to keep them a little bit warmer when it starts getting really cold. And it heats them from the inside out. Um, a lot of my customers really like to make it into a tea. And when they make it into a tea, they pour it hot onto a bucket until, you know, mixing it until it's warm and then give it to the, the horses and the minis. Nice. Now, it's super flavorful. And some of my customers also make it into a tea for themselves. That sounds nice. I was going to say, I think I want some. Um, cinnamon. Now, this spice is a warming agent, and it's also uh -huh. regarded as an antiseptic and a digestive tonic as well. And it's actually been shown in studies that for IR or metabolic horses, it exactly. can actually help to regulate insulin and lower blood sugar. Is that right? Exactly. That's one of the reasons it's in there. It's incredible. The, gin the ginger is the most important because at this time of year when it gets cold, wherever you are in the country, you know, their digestion is not so good either. Plus, they stop drinking as much water, and that can just add up to a gas colic. But the little bit of ginger in there really does help them with the digestion and moving everything through and warms them from the inside out. It improves circulation, and it has lymph cleansing properties as well, which I think is interesting. Yep, and then the peppermint also is always good for digestion too. It's fascinating. And so talk about the kelp, because I know kelp is a great herb for the winter months as well. Um, well, kelp will support the thyroid, which is really the master you know, regulator for a horse and for people too, you know, as to whether you're cold or hot. And a lot of times when you shake a person's hand and they have a cold hand, a lot of times they have a thyroid issue. I thought that meant they yeah. had a warm heart. That's right. They always <laughs> have a warm heart to go with a cold hand. But it's a, it's a, <laughs> It's the same for the horses, too, especially metabolically challenged horses, you know, or minis or mini donkeys or whatever. They really do need the support to their thyroid to help them to regulate, you know, their body temperature as well as their thyroid. Now, licorice root, although not yeah. technically, uh, technically a warming herb, um, is uh, does actually aid in the production of stomach mucus, right? Yeah, yes. Which lowers acid levels. And that can yeah, every, everything in that blend is synergistically put together for all of those reasons. I forgot about the licorice, but there's also marshmallow in there too. Mm. Yes. Do you make this for people, Jessica? <laughs> no, I make it for the horses, but because it's organic or well crafted, the people do buy it for themselves and make tea. It's <laughs> rather nice. Now, the chamomile and the yarrow flowers, those are good for calming, but they also reduce inflammation? Yeah. The yarrow is an anti-inflammatory type herb, but so is the meadowsweet. Meadowsweet's also kind of like in the wild, um, in the white willow bark family, where it's also a pain reliever, and especially for the older horses this time of year, it really does help them with their joints and just you know, not feeling so cold. And and perfectly safe for horses that can't have anything with a high NSC, right? Right now, I've had this tested several times and usually comes in at 5 to 6%, which is really low. I mean, NSC, if it's 11% or below, you're good. But this is 5 to 6%, so you're pretty good. Plus, mm. it's really tasty. It smells good, and they, they'll maul you for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I want to be mauled, but I do want you to send me a bag. Um, okay, well, I just made another batch yesterday. Very nice. And and specifically, you know, as we mentioned before, the age of horses take into consideration, you know, if you have a, if you have a much older horse or a much younger horse, you might want to um, make some arrangements uh, now for either, you know, to bring them indoors, if it's going to be really cold or to have blankets ready 
you know, as well as the herbs, because we are coming up on much cooler temperatures. We've had some cooler temperatures here uh, in the past week, finally. And, uh, you know, we're headed into, even for our Florida horses, temperatures that are considered quite a bit cooler than what we're used to. <laughs> well, like I said, we went from 81 yesterday to 38 today. Right. That's a, yeah, that's a big drop. <laughs> Yeah, Palomar Mountains to the west of me, they're covered in snow, and Idlewild and Mountain Center are covered in snow. I'm kind of in the middle, between the two a little bit lower. That so it's cold. Yeah. We had sleep today, so my minis all have their blankets on, and they just got their warming herbs, and they've got double hay, and they'll be fine. Wow. That's amazing. And by <laughs> the way, just to mention before we close out this um, this segment, this product, um, the Winter Stable Blend, was actually a featured equine wellness mag magazine approved product in 2015. And uh, the write-up said, your horses will love the great taste with lots of leafy herbs, flowers, flower petals, and more. So you do need your Winter Stable Blend to get ready uh, for this winter. Your horses will love it. If you would like to ask Jessica any questions, you can reach out to Jessica Lynn at Earthsong Ranch. Her website is earthsongranch.com. And you can also find her on Facebook and follow her. She has lots of great advice for your horses. And she's definitely our holistic horse expert. Jessica Lynn, I want to thank you for joining us on the show uh, today. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you soon. Talk to you Friday, hopefully. Yes. Thank okay. you. Okay. I'm ready for some Jessica Lynn advice. I told her today I've got a call. I've got some questions. Uh, and she is my go-to when it comes to uh, the holistic horse and the herbs that are best for your horse. Of course, always consult your veterinarian before you start anything new. And everything that we advise through Earthsong Ranch, of course, is to complement your veterinary current care. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to wrap up the end of the show with Yvonne Barteau from Horses Without Humans. We have some special horses to share with you this week before we close out the end of the show. We'll be back in just a few minutes. I'm Louisa Barton for The Horse Talk Show. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and services hassle-free and easier than ever with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. This show is sponsored in part by Earthsong Ranch, improving and restoring health since 1998 for the health of your horses, dogs, and cats with natural probiotic-based supplements, herbal dewormers, all-natural fly sprays, joint supplements, plus Earthsong Ranch is a great resource for health information. Find Earthsong Ranch on Facebook or at earthsongranch.com. This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family-owned since 1934, manufacturing fixed-formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to FeedDAC.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. 
This show is brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and farrier supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at ttdistributors.com. Back to the Horse Talk Show presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor. Uh, shout out for a wonderful organization, Horses Without Humans, rescued 19 horses known as the Boneyard Horses. Their uh, special production in December uh, that I am the Snow Queen for uh, actually is going to fully 100% benefit these incredible horses. This picture behind me is Rain, one of the horses that was rescued uh, during that uh, pickup of those horses. Yvonne Barteau and her team done an absolutely phenomenal job uh, bringing these horses back. Uh, this is one of the first photographs, if you're joining us on Facebook, that you can see on the screen. And this is one of the first times that Rain was fed in who knows how many months. Um, we have after photos that we can share with you of Rain, who is up for adoption now. She has started her training uh, process. Hard to believe it's the same horse. Uh, incredible job that Horses Without Humans has done um, returning these horses to a, uh, a safe and healthy uh, life that they are enjoying out there on 100 plus acres in Bell, Florida. 
with her team. And um, we did share Rain with you last week on the show, um, but we really think she deserves a, a, another shout out and looking for that forever home. Hopefully we can find it for her. She's going to be a great all-round horse. Um, she's really, really sweet. I've met her personally. She's actually uh, nibbled my microphone and, uh, and we're, we just love to see her find the right home. Uh, we also have another horse to share with you this week from Horses Without Humans, Fuego, who is a beautiful seven-year-old Pasofino gelding, 13-3, beyond sweet, with a big personality, loves to have his person, trainer absolutely loves him. He's become a model to demonstrate the concept of joining up, wonderful on the trails, very trainable, great gates, very comfortable, wants to go on some adventures with you and needs a human for Christmas. So um, there's two wonderful horses. Horseswithouthumans.org is the website. You can also follow them on Facebook at Horses Without Humans, and you can see all the horses that are available for adoption. I think they are 50 plus at the moment out there that are rescues, and uh, Yvonne and her team are doing a phenomenal job with them. So please check them out. If you're not in a position to be able to adopt, you can always uh, make a donation or volunteer your time to help out there on the farm. And uh, I think it is a labor of love and uh, hats off to their incredible team and uh, all the work that they've done. Don't forget that this weekend it's Grand Oaks in Wearsdale. We're going to have some fun eventing going on out there. And on Sunday, the cross country will be worth watching. I'm going out to watch it. But right now we're going to bring you the interview with Arden, Arden Wilderson. I got to talk to her right after her win at the Ocala Jockey Club. We caught her hugging her horse, which was wonderful. And uh, then we got to chat for a, for a few minutes. So coming up now, I have Arden for you. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show here at the Ocala Jockey Club International three-day event. And I have a winner here, Arden Wilderson. And I'm thrilled to congratulate you in your win today. Um, very exciting time. Uh, let's start and talk about the venue here just for a minute. Tell us about the Ocala Jockey Club. This is your second time, right? This is my second time. It is a fantastic, a wonderful place, a privilege to come back year after year. And I hope I get be able to come back again next year with the rain that we've had and not Florida weather. <laughs> I was worried about the dressage rings with the two-hour delay. But the, like you can see now, today, like there's no big, huge gaps from the dressage ring areas. Um, Cross-country, I thought maybe some slippage, some deep areas there. But no, like it was a fantastic ground to run on. So being here, they've thought of everything to make it a horse-friendly place to actually show up and come and with a thoroughbred he likes to spook and knowing that you have they've like they've given you lanes that you know are like kind of I say safety lanes so that you don't have any bombarding traffic that you have to get through so no I'm so grateful to be here and I really hope to come back next year so well, we hope so too. Um, I'm a huge fan of the thoroughbreds myself. I love them. Talk a little bit about the difference between riding a thoroughbred, perhaps a warm blood or a, an Anglo-Arab or another breed. Uh, I think they're incredibly versatile. You mentioned spooking a little bit. There's a lot obviously going on this weekend, so it's incredible that, uh, that he did so well. But talk a little bit about the breed uh, in, this, in this particular sport. With Ilvigi being a thoroughbred, like I'm so grateful that he has the elasticity in his gates for dressage. Um, yes, he has the spookiness and he likes to 
see where the boogie monster is, but he was able to hold everything together in dressage and put up a 34. But then on cross country, he has that gallop and he's such rateable and adjustable that I don't need to worry 100 strides back to get him back. I can say, bring my shoulders up, add leg, and he's right there and he gallops and he like he's a cool horse and being a thoroughbred it's unbelievable then you come back for show jumping and he's very careful and he's okay I need a jump I need to bascule over jumps and I need to do it correctly and being very aware and cautious and being able to have those jumps and he has I'd say with thoroughbreds I feel that you you have you're able to do the long courses um and be back, come back, and not really have a tired horse the next day if you're able to prepare them well. Like, he, I thought he still had room to go and go and go. Like, and I, I have um, Irish sport horses on my barn as well, and I'd say I need to make sure that they're fit like him so that he, they're not tired. And they do all try on for the Sunday, but he always, I feel like he always has something more underneath him saying, I'm ready to go, where's cross country again? And I'm like, sorry, dude, it's show jumping. <laughs> awesome that he has a lot of gas left in the tank on yeah. this uh, on this uh, third part of the competition. Did you have any apprehension at the Eddie Woods jump there that seemed to be causing a few people to, uh, to, to knock a rail? Did you have any concern coming into that line? Which jump? That was. It was the one coming into the the line. Yes, the. <laughs> yes, and they, they seemed like a few people were were having that little hiccup there, knocking a rail down. I didn't know if that maybe sets you up for any apprehension, or if you just go in and say, "No, we can do it." No, like I'd say, for me, it's a lot of mental. Like I have to pr- prepare myself before going into the ring, and tell myself I can go in there and I can do it. And all of these separate the course as in exercises. Okay, we have our bending line, we have our um, triple, like just exercises, and remember to breathe. A lot of people say that I forget to breathe, (laughs) 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 which (laughs) is not really the best. But I thought, like today, like nothing really scared me or nothing worried me. I just remember to breathe and keep on going forward, and he will take care of me, which, so no jump particular was, like I'd say my bogey one that he saved me so much was number three where I decided to add a six <laughs> instead of doing a five and I landed I'm like oh that was a six <laughs> I gotta go forward <laughs> whoops still all worked out brilliantly well I was talking to Rick Wallace about you being in the barn uh, on the live stream just now on the EQ TV we were chatting about you and he said what a brilliant girl she is she's such a worker she's in the barn doing her own braiding and talk a little bit about that you, you love that you mentioned that's like an outlet for you like I am an amateur I'm not a professional um, so I love the horses as horses, they're, I could say they're my kids, but they're my friends. Like, I love waking up, going to the barn, feeding. Like, they communicate to me, so I don't really need to speak. <laughs> and I know I don't, I'm getting better at speaking. But um, they, like, it's just a partnership. Like, it's the feeding, what goes into them, the tack. Like, what th- they need as an individual to perform their best and what I need to do to help them perform their best. Different cues might be for different horses. And then, like, for me, braiding, like, that's an art form. And riding is an art form at all different 
areas you look at it. So I like I love to braid. And like this being a long format, like I braided I think 31 <laughs> braids into the main last night. And I saw, saw Rick this morning and I said, I got 31 braids in. <laughs> and I think Briggs said, I only did 16. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Damn. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> well, you know, when you were coming out of the ring here after the uh, the awards, you were here and I just saw you and your horse just having a, a little time together, like a little loving session there. That looked like, that was cool. Yeah, no, like, I can't. To be able to do this, it's mom and dad. Like, they support me so much. And I have to give back to them, but I also have to give back to the horses. Like, it's a humbling sport. Like, it's, you have to make sure that even on your highs and your lows, that you remember what the positive is to be able to grow from that. And just being able to give and cherish, like, those few seconds before people come in and just have that strong bond, it's a connection that I hope I never lose. Um, Mom and Dad's names? Sarah Wilderson and Jim Wilderson. Shout out uh, to Sarah and Jim. What a wonderful job they do supporting you in what you do. And it certainly is an art form and a labor of love. And we're really proud of you. Uh, you were up against some of the best in the world, no doubt. And uh, you said, I'm not a professional. Well, I tell you, you were headed in the right direction. And uh, it's got to be a heck of an honor to uh, outride some of truly the best eventers in the world. Uh, as I go into the show jumping, I was just riding what I had underneath me, and it was—it ha- it just so happened. Like I saw a rail there, and I knew how close we were. And like I never wish ill upon, but I'm like, he had a rail, she had a rail, Leslie had a rail. Oh, damn! It just like it, it just happened. <laughs> like it is like it. It's unbelievable. Like, I don't think it actually is really sunken into my head yet. And I don't think it'll ever will until I read about it and I see stuff happen. And, like, he's, horses are just a part of my life, and I, I love it to oh. death. Well, I do, too. I get it. Congratulations. High five. Uh, Mom and dad, too. Uh, thanks so much for uh, uh, looking after Arden and supporting her in all of this and her incredible horse. We are super proud of uh, the outcome and the win today for her in this uh, very tough competition. I am Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show at the Ocala Jockey Club with our winner, Arden Wilderson. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Closing out the show, I have to say, I thought I had bad hair today. At the Ocala Jockey Club on Sunday afternoon, it was looking pretty rough. (laughs) It was windy and cold. And um, yeah, I didn't even know until I just watched that, that the back of my hair was sticking up all over the place. (laughs) And I was all bundled up because it was freezing cold. Looks like I was in England. Uh, but Arden was a winner and she did a phenomenal job. What a great round that was. I was holding my breath for her there at the end. Fantastic. And we always love seeing the, uh, the thoroughbreds do so well as well in these, uh, in these events. They're fantastic. And actually, one of the questions I had for the John and Rick show was about comparing uh, thoroughbreds and, uh, and warm bloods in this incredible sport of eventing. But we didn't get to it, so I guess we'll get to it next time. Make sure you do not miss the John and Rick show. Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, I think, for their inaugural show, that was phenomenal. Actually, I think for any show, that was phenomenal. Go, guys. They're down at Bank Street enjoying. So um, whether you're in Ocala, Marion County, Florida, 
the horse capital of the world or not. Happy horsing around. Until next time. <laughs>